0: For when during Shemitah is a person allowed to take manure out to his field to store it there in heaps. Fertilizing a field is prohibited on Shemitah. Fertilizing the land is a isadra bonon, as a tilde of plowing, because like plowing, it makes the ground fit for planting and sowing. The Chachamim decreed, the one is even forbidden to take manure out to his field on Shemitah to store it there in heaps until the next year. In those times, fertilizer consisted mainly of animal manure, people would not want to have manure in their barn or courtyard any longer than necessary. They would therefore remove it even before it was needed and it in piles in the field. At the appropriate time, they would take the manure from the piles and spread it across the field to fertilize the soil. Because onlookers might suspect him of intending to fertilize the earth with it before the year is over. However, this restriction does not apply throughout the entire year of Shemitah, as the Mishnah discusses. So that's the question that the Mishnah starts off with. May Emos <laughs> For when during Shmita as a person allowed to take manure out to his field to store it in heaps, he may do so. After those who work in their fields on Shemitah finish fertilizing for that season. Who are these people that work on the fields? They're Some have the gears in the mission actually of Oyvsaku Oivre So the Rav Rav first brings the gifts of Eirah Avera, and then he says, It's the same thing, that he may do so after those who work in their fields on Shemitah, the sinners who do not observe the Halachas of Shemitah finish fertilizing for the season. Once farmers have stopped fertilizing their fields, the president takes manure out to his field, will not be suspected of planning to use it that year. Rather, onlookers will realize that he intends only to store it there until after Shemitah. Therefore, the decree against taking manure out to one's field Ceases to apply at that point, these are the words of mayor. Ribihuda, I remember Yivash says once the manure has dried up. What are we referring to over here? The sweet fertilizer is called sweet because it sweetens, sweetens and ripens the produce. Rebehuda says Yivash Hamasik. When the thing gets when the manure has dried up, a farmer may take it to his field for purposes of storage. Since dried manure cannot act as fertilizer, he clearly does not intend to use it in Shemitah. Instead, he's storing it in his field until the next year when it will become usable again after having been moistened by the rain. Once it becomes knotty, when it begins to dry up and thick, its pieces become knotted to one another, he may take it to his field and store it there. Even manure in this condition is not an effective fertilizer, and so he will not be suspected of intending to use it for that purpose during Shemitah. There's only a small difference in practice between the shita of Rabihud and Rabiyasi because soon after, soon after the manure begins to thicken, it dries up. Mishnah bays. I'll come and how much manure may one pile on is filled for purposes of storage. The previous Mishnah taught that after the fertilizing season, a farmer is allowed to take manure out to his field and heap it into storage piles. This Mishnah teaches that there's a limit to the number and size of the storage piles he may make, so that creating the piles does not appear as an an act of fertilizing the field. In the previous Mishnah, the question was whether a farmer seen taking manure to his field would be suspected of intending to use it later to fertilize the field. Here the issue is whether the very act of making heaps of manure to store until after Shemitah might be regarded as an act of fertilization in its own right. Even after the farmers have finished fertilizing their fields for the season, some still take manure to their fields and leave it there in small heaps so that it will be softened by the rain and seep into the ground and thereby fertilize the ground in preparation for planting the crops of the next year. Thus, although the first ton of the previous mission allows a farmer to bring manure into his field at this time, he must do so in such a way that he does not appear to be fertilizing the field with it by leaving it in place and letting it seep into the ground. It must be clear that he intends only to store it until the next year when he will remove the manure from the piles and spread it over the field. So add Kamam how much manure may one pile in his field for the purposes of storage? One may make up to three piles in each besa of the field. A besa is the area needed for planting a saw barley seeds and measures 50 amos by 50 amis. 2,500 square amas, which is anywhere between 6,200 and 9,675 square feet, depending on how exactly you measure the ammo, Um, or 576 to 899 square meters, again, depending on how you measure an ammo. Um, Each pile consisting of at least 10 containers of manure, each of which holds at least one lesach. thus each of the three piles must contain at least 10 lesach. What are we talking about over here? A mash, What does a mash pill mean? Is a container in which manure would be carried out onto the fields. A mashpel is a lotion of shiftless, um, shiflus, which is a lotion of a shuffle, which means low and degrading like garbage manure is. Um, each mashpel must be at least as large as a lesach, which is the size of a load that can be carried by a donkey. Thus, each of the three piles must contain at least 10 lasach. by requiring the piles to be so large that the Chachamah made sure that the heaping of the manure would not resemble fertilizing. He may add to the number of containers in each pile. He may make a pile of 20 lasach containerfuls or more. The larger the pile, the more likely it is being used for storage, not for fertilization. He may not add to the number of piles per sub, because it makes more than three piles in a year of this size, it would appear to be fertilizing the field. Rupshimin disagrees, and he says he may even add to the number of piles per beisah, since he's heaping the manure into large piles and not spreading it, he does not appear to be fertilizing the field, regardless of the number of piles. Mishnah Gimel. Shimon ruled in the preceding Mishnah that one may make more than three piles of manure per beisah. In that Mishnah, he was referring to piles that contained at least ten lesseh. Here Reb adds that making more than three piles is allowed, even if each is smaller than ten lasach. A person may make three piles per peso in his field, yes, and we can machzu. If he wishes to make more than that number of piles, he may make as many as the legs of a pot. That is, he may make as many piles as he wants, even if each is smaller than ten lasach, but not smaller than three lasach. Even making a large number of relatively small piles does not seem like an act of fertilization. Since he's heaping the menorah in piles and not spreading it across the ground, these are the words of Shimon. So, what does it mean that Yeshemi can If he wishes to make more than that, he may make as many as the legs of a pot. The Rav doesn't say anything. We'll try to get back to this. The Mishnah elaborates upon. The view of the Chachamim who ruled in the previous mission is that making more than three piles is forbidden, even if each measures ten lesser or more. But the Chachamim forbid making more than three piles unless he lowers the side of each pile three below the ground, or raises it three t'vachim above the ground. When the base of the piles at least three t'vachim below or above the ground, it is clear that he intends only to gather the manure in one place, not to fertilize his field. Thus the Chachamim agree that making more than three piles is allowed. Moreover, if the basis of the if the bases of the piles are three twachum above or below the ground, making more than three piles is permitted even if each pile is smaller than ten lessach. Oyssa other or mezivlai oyser, a person may make all his menorah into one large storage pile, then instead of making three separate piles of ten lesach each, he may dump all thirty lasak into a single pile and add it without limit. Even though the chachamim ask more than three piles of ten lesach each, they permit heaping more than thirty lasak into a single pile. Remeyer, however, forbids one to make a single pile that contains more than 30 lesach unless he lowers it three tochem into the ground or raises it three tochem above the ground. Remeyer agrees that one may make three piles of unlimited ties, as taught in the previous Mishnah. He holds, however, that if one were allowed to make a single pile of unlimited ties, it would ultimately cover the entire surface of the field without any gaps. That would certainly appear to act to an act of fertilizing. He therefore forbids making a single pile of 30 lesach. Unless it's set apart from the rest of the field by being raised or lowered at least three tfachim. The previous mission has stated that each pile must consist of at least ten lasach. This mission teaches that what a person should do if he has less than this amount. If one has a small amount of manure, he may store it in a pile in his field, then add it bit by bit. However, forbids one to store a small amount on the field and to add it later, unless he lowers the side of the three of the three tfachim, or raises it three tfachim, or unless he puts the manure on a boulder. Or Lezben Azariah says it's forbidden to store a small amount with intent to add more later, because he might not obtain any more, in which case he will appear to be fertilizing the field with the initial small amount. To avoid giving me this impression, he must lower the side of the small pile three tfachim below the ground, or raise it three tfachim above the ground. Since the side of the pile differs from the rest of the field, he does not seem to be fertilizing the field. Alternatively, he may place a small amount on a boulder, even if it's lower than Tshid because nothing can be planted on a boulder. See, he clearly is not using the manure as fertilizer there. If none of these options are available, he must wait until he has collected the minimum amount and then take it out all at once in order to avoid suspicion. Mishnah Dalet Hamiddayer esadeyu oise sahar lubesasayim a farmer who has no other place for his animals during Shemitah is allowed to keep them in a field where crops will grow, even though their droppings fertilize the soil. However, this is permitted only if he does not intend to fertilize the field in this manner, but plans on eventually heaping up the manure into storage piles to be used the following year. Furthermore, he may not let the animals roam over the entire field but must confine them to a section of the field that is enclosed by a fence. So one who wants to pen his animals into his field. That's a medir's elusion of a deer shall be hamus. la um, deer. Of the dyer. So, one who wants to pen his animals into this field on Shemitah may make the enclosure no larger than two base which would be 5,000 square amis, so that the animals will deposit their waste only in that area and not all over the field. He thus shows that he's not using their waste as fertilizer. Had his intent been to fertilize the field, he would have let the animals drop their waste all over it. Thus, by limiting them to one section, he avoids suspicion that he's using them for fertilization. Once these two bases are filled with waste, he may pull out the fences on three sides of the enclosure. Leave the remaining middle fence in place and then build a second enclosure on the other side of the middle fence. It is called the middle fence because it stands between the area of the first enclosure and the area of the second enclosure. Thus, in the end, he will be found to have penned off a total area of four beysa, the two base of the first enclosure, plus the two base of the second enclosure. Four beysa is the maximum area which a person may keep his animals before he must gather their waste and heap it up into storage piles. He may not let his animals occupy a larger area before cleaning up, lest he be suspected Using them to fertilize the land. Reb Gamliel says he may erect four enclosures one after the other in the manner described above, thereby fencing in a total of eight basa. According to Reb Gamliel, it is not necessary to keep the menorah to piles until after the animals have occupied eight basa, four enclosures of two basa each. These four enclosures include the original one. Until now, the Mishnah spoke of a large field. Now, the mission is going to tell us to alocha for a small field. If his entire field is only four saw, so, in which case, after making the second enclosure, will have fenced in the entire field. He must leave part of it empty without any animals because otherwise he will give the appearance of wrongdoing. If he fences in his entire field, even just two bases so at a time, before heaping the manure into piles, it appears that he intends to fertilize the land. He must therefore keep part of the field free of animals to avoid suspicion. The Mishnah explains that what must be done after all the enclosures, if it's according to the Tanakama two besa, and according to Rav Shimon Gamliel, Gamliel four besa, might seem an asahar. He must remove the in from the enclosed area and place it in the field in piles, just like those who take mineral from the fields are allowed to do. That is, he may form three piles of at least ten less as each ten less each per besa, as taught in Mishnah Aleph. Mishnah Hey. It's also to remove rocks or stones from one's field during Shemitah because, like climbing, this improves the land, making it more suited for planting. This is applies only where one wants to improve the land, and not where one's intent is for a permitted purpose, such as obtaining stones for use as building material. However, as is the case with many other prohibitions, even the appearance of, these, of this eser, shtuckel, must be avoided. For this reason, removing stones from a field is always forbidden, unless it's clear that one is doing so for a permitted purpose. This mission, that deals with the of someone who removes stones from a quarry, a mass of solid rock from which building stones are cut, that he has in his field. So a person may not begin to expose a quarry in his field. That is, If one has a quarry in his land that is covered by earth, he may not dig into the earth in order to expose the rock and cut stone from it because people suspect him of intending to remove the entire rock so that the land beneath it will, f- will be fit for planting. This is forbidden unless the quarry has in it an exposed section of rock large enough to provide three blocks of stone each measuring three amas wide by three amas long, with the height of three amas. It's interesting, the Lashon Morbiyos over here, because the Mishnah in Sukkot refers to the big aravis that they would place on the Mizbech by Shana Rabba, as Morbiyos as well. and Eser, Mesheva, Avon, Such that their size, that is the total size of all three blocks, is enough to produce 27 pieces of stone, each of which measures one amas wide by one amas long, by three amas high. In each three by three by three block, there are nine one by one by three stones. Thus three blocks contain such 27 such stones. If such a large mass of rock is already exposed, everyone will realize that the site is a quarry from which stone is being cut for use in building. The owner may thus remove stone from it on Shemitah since people will assume that his purpose is to obtain stone for building rather than to prepare the land for planting. Even in this case, however, he may not remove the stone all the way down to the soil, he must leave a layer of rock that that's at least one tefach high. Mishnah Vav. This Mishnah discusses the matter of taking down a stone fence in Shemitah. It's forbidden to completely remove the fence, lest one be suspected of clearing the ground beneath it so one can plant here. The Mishnah states an exception to the rule. If a fence has in it at least 10 stones, each of which is a load for two men, each of the 10 stones is so large that only that two men are needed to carry it, these may be removed. That is, one may take down the fence and remove the stones from the field because one will not be suspected of dismantling. Such a large and important fence just to plant a strip of ground beneath it. Rather, people will realize that it is taking the stones to use them for building purposes. We shall learn that large stones, which are stones that a man can carry only on his shoulder, may be removed, even if they are lying on the ground, because people assume that large stones are needed for construction. Our Mishnah teaches that the stones in a wall, which meets the necessary requirements, may be removed, even if they are very small. However, this halacha applies only where the measured height of the fence is at least ten zvachim high a fence less than ten zvachim high is not considered important even if its stones are massive this one may remove only the large stones which a man needs to carry on his shoulder and not the smaller ones if its height is less than this or if it has fewer than ten stones or if it has ten stones but not every one of them is a load for two men it is like a quarry from which all the stones may not be taken, but may at or at and therefore as in the case with a quarry, one may cut it down to within a tefach of the ground, meaning he leaves at least a tefach high layer of stone standing, so that the ground underneath remains unfit for planting. Even where one is allowed to open a quarry and remove its stones, where three blocks of three by three by three amas are already exposed, he's forbidden to take all the stones until the ground underneath is exposed. He must leave a layer of stone at the bottom that's at least one Tevachai. Similarly, removing stones from a fence that does not meet the Mishnah's specifications is permitted as long as the Tevachai layer remains at the bottom. Bamed Var Mamurim. As told in the Mishnah and in the previous one, it's forbidden to remove stones from a quarry or a stone fence unless the quarry is sufficiently exposed or the fence is sufficiently important. The Mishnah presents two circumstances in which removing the stones from these places is motor. What are we talking about? Where one is removing the stone from his own field, for only then will he be suspected of clearing the ground for planting. But if one removes stones from the field of another person, in which case people will assume that he's removing the stones because he wants to use them. Masha, who writes a yital, he may remove whatever he wants. Bamedvar Mamurim, even in his own field, of what situation that these rulings apply it was Hiskal Lehitzchel Arab He did not start with it before Shemitah. Meaning, he didn't start removing the stones to use them in construction before Shemitah. Avlam Arab but if he did start with it before Shemitah, Masha Rehitz, he may remove whatever he wants during Shemitah. Since he began before Shemitah, it's already known that he's taking the stones for building purposes. He may therefore take more even during Shemitah. Mishnah Zayin. The Mishnah talks about more cases in which a person is allowed to remove stones from his field in Shemitah because he doesn't intend to clear the field for cultivation and he will not even be suspected of having such intent. If one has stones in his field that were loosened from the ground by the plow, when the field is plowed in the sixth year, the plow weakened the attachments between the stones and the ground, and the stones will become completely loose when the field is plowed the next time in the eighth year. The same halacha applies to the stones that have not yet been loosened at all, but will be loosened when the field is plowed again. In either case, the next plowing will make the stones much easier to remove. Or stones that have been covered with earth but were uncovered by the plow, though not loosened. These stones were partially uncovered by the first plowing and will become completely uncovered by the next plowing. Thus, here too, it will be easier to remove the stones when the field is flat again. Then, if among them there are two stones, each of which is a load for two men, the halacha is that they, all the stones in the field that were loosened or uncovered, may be removed from the field on Shemitah. This halacha is based on two considerations. Number one, the two large stones, each a load for two men, are of a size using construction, and therefore it will be assumed that at least these stones are being taken for that purpose rather than to clear the field. Number two, removing any of the stones, even the small ones, will be easier after the plow goes over them again in the eighth year and loosens or uncovers them completely. Thus, the fact that he's removing them now, despite the extra effort involved, indicates that he needs them for construction purposes, despite their small size. Given the combination of both factors, he's allowed to remove not only the large stones, but all those that were loosened or uncovered. Hamasaka Lessadeh, having discussed halacha of stones that are embedded in the earth, the Mishnah turns its attention to stones that are completely loose. If one clears his field from stones that are lying in layers on the surface of the field. He may take those that are on top, but must leave those that touch the ground, so that he will not appear to be preparing the ground for planting. Likewise, if there is a pile of pebbles or a heap of stones. He may take those. That are on top, but he must leave those that that touch the ground. However, if there's a layer of rock or straw underneath them, they may all be removed, even those at the bottom of the pile, because the area below is not fit for planting in any event. In all these cases, removing the stones is permitted only if he intends to use them. If his purpose is to improve the land, he's not allowed to remove any. Mishnah Ches. The mission begins with a case of work that one may not do before Shemitah because it seems to be preparation for working the land on Shemitah. In the year before Shemitah, after the rainy season is over, one may not build steps down to the ravines where the rainwater has collected. Farmers would draw water from ravines, which are deep, narrow valleys with steep sides to irrigate their fields. They would build steps to make it easier for them to climb up and down the sides of the ravine. So in a nature, is because it appears as though he's preparing the steps to gather water to irrigate his field during Shemitah. Irrigating one's field in Shemitah is generally forbidden. In the summer, after the rainy season is over, not enough water remains in the ravines to irrigate the crops of that year. Thus, there would be no point in building steps down to the ravine, except for the sake of collecting the rainwater that will fall the next year, which is in, the case, which in this case is Shemitah. But in Shemitah itself, after the rainy season is over, he may build these steps. Because it is evident that he is preparing them for the purpose of of irrigating his fields the year after Shemitah. One may not fortify the dam with earth that is even after the rainy season on Shemitah. One may not build a watertight dam of stone cemented together with earth or mortar because people will think that he intends to irrigate his fields with whatever water remains in the ravine. But one may make a barrier of stones without earth or mortar since such a barrier is not watertight. Call Evan the Mishnah now teaches that when one is building either of these permitted structures, which would be steps to a ravine after the rainy season or a barrier of stones without earth or mortar, next is field and Shemitah, he may remove stones from the field, even though removing stones is usually forbidden. So any stone that he's able to take by extending his hand without leaving his position from the place where he's standing, such a stone may be taken since he does not move from the position he occupies when building the steps of dam. Onlookers will assume that is taking the stone from the steps of the dam. Thus, even if the stone is small and not the size normally used as construction material, he can take it without being suspected of clearing the ground for planting. Mishnah test. We have learned in the previous Mishnahist that one is also to take stones from his own field in Shemitah except under certain conditions because he would be suspected of clearing the ground for planting. This iser, however, applies only where the stones are small. Removing large stones, which the Mishnah calls shoulder stones, Avne Kosef, is permitted in all circumstances. Avne Kosef boys, we call of shoulder stones, may be brought from any place, even one's own field. Although removing stones from a quarry or stone fence is generally forbidden in one's own land and is not completely permitted except in someone else's field, removing shoulder stones is permitted even from one's own field. These are large stones that are used as construction material. Therefore, if one removes them from his field, people will assume that he's taking them for that purpose and not to clear the fields for planting. A kablin may become welcome, and a building contractor may bring all types of stones from any place, even his own field. Since a professional builder uses stones of any size for his work, he will not arouse any suspicions. The previous mission, which stated that one who is building a wall may take small stones only if they are within arm's reach, cannot be referring to a kablin, because a cobbler may take small stones even from even where and when he is not building. And this is the definition of shoulder stones. Any stone that's so large, it cannot be carried in one hand, but it must be carried in two hands or on one shoulder. This Reb mayor says, Rabbi Yaisi, Rabbi Yaisi, however, says, shoulder stones are what is implied by the name, which is stones, if thus there are any stones that are carried two or three at a time on the shoulder. They are too large to be carried in one hand, but they are small enough to be carried two or three at a time on a man's shoulder. If yes, he holds that although these stones are not very large, a person may remove them from his field in Shbito. The mayor, however, allows removing a stone only if it is so big that it takes a man's entire strength to carry just one of them, either on his shoulder or in both hands. If one wants to build a wall between his field and a public domain and he needs to dig a foundation for it, he's allowed to dig down as far as bedrock. This digging is permitted in Shemitah, though although it makes the land fit for planting because he's unlikely to change his mind and decide to plant the area instead of building a wall. People tend not to plant in areas next to the public domain because the growths would be trampled by passerby. Therefore, digging next to a public domain for the purpose of building a wall is mutter, since the digger Will not change his mind and choose to plant there instead digging next to private land however is also because in that case he might indeed change his mind upon seeing the land dug up and ready for planting and decided to plant the area the mishnah discusses how this person should deal with the earth that he dug up he may not dump it on his own field because he would thus appear to be spreading topsoil to prepare the ground for planting rather he must put it somewhere else what does he do with the earth that he dug up he may pile it up in a public domain and later restore the public domain to its original condition by removing the earth and depositing it elsewhere. At this point, he may even put the earth back in his field, since it's clear that he's doing so only to prevent harm for the people using the Rishua Surabim, the Rabbi Yeshua. Rebbe Kiva says, Just as one may not damage a public domain by making a pile of earth here, even though he will remove it soon afterwards, as in our case of someone who is digging to build a wall, so too one may not repair a public domain by collecting dirt that's already there, and heaping it into a pile, even if he will leave it only for a short time. Rabbi Kiva forbids make a pile in a public area, even if he intends to remove it right away, because a pile of dirt is damaging and harmful in a place used by a general public. Furthermore, he applies this Isra not only where the person is dumping earth from his land into the street, but even where he's cleaning the street by piling up dirt that's already there. For example, if there are stones or dirt scattered in a street, one may not pile them up at the side of the street and leave the pile there for any length of time. Rather, he must immediately remove all the stones and dirt. That he gathered and disposed of them in a river Ursi. So, my offer. What then may he, the person digging on Shemitah to build a wall, do with the earth, given that he may not dump it in the public domain in Rosh Rabbim. So, and he may pile it up in his field the same way as those who pile up manure in Ur. their fields are allowed to. He may make three piles of ten lesach each per besa. As explained in Mishnah Bais, the Mishnah base, a person may heap manure in, in his field as long as he makes no more than three piles per besa, and each pile contains at least ten lesach. By making a few large piles instead of spreading the manure over the ground, he shows that he's not using the manure for fertilizing his field, but is stirring it until the next year. In our case too, by heaping the earth in three large piles, one avoids giving the impression that he's spreading it over his field as topsoil. <laughs> the same dispute between your Bishon and Rabbi Kiva applies to digging near a public domain, even when it's not Shemitah. The same dispute applies with respect to one who digs a round pit, that's a bar, a ditch, which is a long narrow pit, or a vault which is a pit covered with a roof in which there is an opening, next to a public area and a regular non shmita year. According to Yeshua, as he digs up the earth, he may make piles of it in the public domain, provided that he removes them when he finishes and restores the place to its original condition. But according to Rehkiva, he must keep the earth in his own land and may not dump it into the public domain for even just a short time. Atkan, Perigimal.